Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Prime Subjective, a Star Trek podcast on the Crossroads Comedy Theater Network, which I always forget to mention, but we are a child of Crossroads Comedy Theater. Today, we will be discussing the first two episodes of the new series, Strange New Worlds. The first episode is called, funnily enough, Strange New Worlds, and the second episode is called Children of the Comet. Uh, which I love. Sounds like a very much like a uh, Doctor Who kind of name. My name is Chris Newcomer. I am your host. With me is our fantastic panel of, uh, of Star Trek devotees. We've got uh, Michael Henley. Ahoy hoy. We've got <laughs> Jay Nim. Greed makes greed makes greed makes trees. Oh. And we've got <laughs> Carrie Coleman Hinners. Hey, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Three very different hellos, all equally perplexing. It's my favorite. No, I think I I I clocked two of them, and then Jay's, once again, I think this is the non-sequitur game he's been playing, which I enjoy very much. Game? Oh, you get game right now. Game? What what game? This is just your approach to life. That's right. Well, since we're talking about it, how are you doing, Jay? You've been traveling, I think? What's what's been going on? Yeah, yeah. My sister graduated from medical school. Um, It was great, great ceremony. Didn't drag on. Um, They did a good job honoring the graduates. Um, Hustled hustled back here afterwards and I was it was like the kind of like rushing where I almost missed the train almost got off on the wrong stop came here sat down to record and a pencil that was in my pocket broke just like you know kind of like there's something new that's like you got to worry about but you know we're here and I'm only missing one leg so oh okay but yeah. you're but you're fine but yeah, yeah. <laughs> metaphorical leg metaphorical, metaphorical leg, leg. I, hear, yeah. I hear you i hear you well carrie coleman henner is how are you doing hi i'm i'm doing great <laughs> well you too then i guess <laughs> no. i got i got these okay so all of my how you doings are just turning into product reviews yeah i know you're so trying to get got... sponsored I'm trying to get sponsored. So now I got this new, these new reading glasses, which are just um, blue light filtering. They don't do anything else but filter blue light. So I've been using them. I've been using them to look at screens and such. And uh, once again, stay tuned to our next episode to find out how I'm liking them. We already experienced the journey of Carrie uh, wearing these glasses and also wearing her headphones and and whether that was going to be applicable to her life and possible. She does look like she's about to create um, a napkin holder and wood shop. And I like that. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go jackhammer something while you're talking. Well, okay, it's getting Mm. hot and sexy over here. I love (laughs) it. That's great. Um, (laughs) Michael Henley, on that hot and sexy note, how are you doing? Ooh, hot and sexy. Texas style. Wait, what? No. Texas style. No. Um, (laughs) I'm doing great. I am doing great. Uh, Just, uh, you know, uh, I can't wait to talk about this episode, but also, you know, some fun stuff in in our house. My, uh, my, my, my girlfriend actually, she's uh, just, uh, she just got a new job. She's going to start in a couple weeks. Started looking for a while. She's very, very excited about it. So I'm very, very excited and proud for her. Um, And just, it's, it's, it's great. Things are good. We had a very lovely weekend. Uh, the weather is finally like nice and not like nice, but you know, dot, 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 beautiful day. I went out to go vote. 
Um, fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. I love that. I love, I love, I love upbeat Tuesday, Michael. This is, this is good. I think this is what we get when we catch you on a, on a Tuesday rather than a Monday. I feel like maybe this is a good thing too. It's a nice, it's a nice easier day. Um, and I love to hear that. I also voted today, so I'm with you on that. Um, Although it's one of those things where, like, I thought I did my due diligence and I got home and I went on Twitter and, like, someone was like, I hope you voted no on that first thing. And I was like, did I vote no? Oh, no. It's not the I, I, end I, of the world, but it's not a great one. I, it, is, it is what it is, you know. Um, did anyone see the lunar eclipse? You mean the blood moon? The, the blood, blood moon. moon. I saw just a briefly of the moon. Was it a blood flower moon, or is that just a, is that a thing that I just I made know, up? It was something intense, a lot of layers. Mm-hmm, yeah, I just kept hearing blood moon and thinking, Link, the blood moon rises, and then hearing <laughs> seeing a scene of like all my enemies coming back from the dead. Yeah, uh, and imagining in real life that would be like all of my ex boyfriends just like at the door and be like, hey, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I I did see Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, basically like knocking the blood moon, which I thought was he, really. He said it was like the worst of all the eclipses, right? Or something along those lines. Yeah, he said it's, he said, he basically said it's not what happened to it's him? not interesting and people should stop paying attention. It's like, like dude, people are looking up. Isn't that the goal? Fuck me. Like, for, isn't, isn't it your literal great, great joy? You know? Isn't it your literal job to get people excited for science and like astronomy yeah. and exploration? Like <laughs> you were just bad yeah. at your job, yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson. But he has a side thing where he reviews full moons. He does a, he yeah. has a, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a science enthusiast and my wife <laughs> rates full moons. Our budget for house hunters is $5 million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that show. Perfect. That's, I like that. Exactly. That show is so good, but I like watching House Hunters International because you can see where someone has just accidentally ended up living in a country they did not want to be in. They're like, so we're Aww. here. <laughs> they're like, oh no. They let go a little bit of control in the relationship and suddenly they're yeah. living with their mother-in-law. Um, oh, no. <laughs> That's the country you don't want to live in, mother-in-law. Well, sense. mother-in-law, listen, I mean, if we can all avoid it, we should. Uh, I'm, I, I Maybe I'll retract that statement at a later date. Well, I'll but... never get married, so there we go. That solves that problem. Okay. Well, Uh-oh. I haven't asked I'm gonna, yet, I'm going to deal with that problem Uh-oh. at the root by just not getting married. <laughs> and your your sig of knows this. She's, she's she's aware of the deal because she's about to find out if she listens to the pod. Life is a roller. <laughs> life is a roller coaster. You know this is a test to see if she listens to the pod. <laughs> I love that. That's your test wow. is saying you'll never get married. And her being like, so um, I listened to the latest. Episode. I guess like she just breaks <laughs> yeah. up with you. Like I guess I'm wasting my time. Bye. Um, yeah, I don't. Oh, know. I, no. It would be. It would be extra funny uh, if she says, like, I listened to the episode, but just pick something random and not that. She's like, I'm not sure yeah. I agree with your thoughts on Captain Bites. And then the oh, next see. episode, I'm going to be like, all right, so if we got to up the stakes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd be like, I'm never wearing pants to family functions again. Mm. Uh, or something along those lines. Uh, mm. Equally uh, disturbing. I'm running off to Venezuela tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to do what? What would be the, the eventual, just to um, around? Oh, I hadn't thought that far ahead. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, I've issued one threat. Okay, fair enough. So, we'll say you, you'll work on the next threat for the next let episode. It age. Well, and while while you think about that next threat, hey Carrie, I heard that there yes. was some to reckon the news, a trek in the news, trek in the news, trek in the news, ooh, ooh. Um, trek in the news. This- 
I got this, I got this new source, my new source, I should cite my sources. This comes from giantfreakingrobot.com. Um, it does say it was posted 36 seconds ago, but I read it like a week ago, so they got to fix that. Um, Have you refreshed so anyway, your tab? I did refresh it. So this, so a Star Trek actor glues himself to a coffee counter to protest <laughs> animal cruelty. Um, and that Star Trek actor is legendary actor James Cromwell, who recently took part in a protest in the name of animal rights in New York City by gluing his hand to the counter of a Starbucks location. Cromwell is a noted animal rights activist. <laughs> I love this story. I love this story. And an honorary director of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals and an advocate for a wide variety of progressive rights. Oh, I don't know. I don't think he was, think he was babe. Is that why? Because he was yeah, the movie Babe. You know what? I did read that he was a vegetarian and then he did the movie Babe and then he turned vegan because after, like, after that movie because of Babe. Because he babe. was like, that'll do, pig. And he was like, I can't. <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. Yeah, no, that'll do. Before you said he was an honorary director of PETA, I was thinking this had strong PETA vibes. Yeah, it yeah. is a strong PETA vibe. So what he was protesting specifically uh, by crazy gluing his hand to the counter, um, uh, that they charge extra fees for non-dairy milk and vegan options. So, I mean, it does seem small, but in the grand scheme of things, like... You know, places like Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, all these places we were talking about before, they sort of contribute to this uh, mass, uh, the meat and dairy industry. Um, so making it, diff and then making the choices difficult for people to make other choices by making them more expensive. So that's really what he's mm -hmm. saying, because apparently in other countries, they don't upcharge uh so it is a weird it is a weird thing i guess worthy of a hand gluing um yeah well, thoughts a, a little a little um you know uh polit politics from zephram cochran uh, yes. makes sense to me uh although i guess maybe that character wasn't so politically inclined they were more just trying to drink booze and fly fast um which sounds great yeah. to me sounds yeah. awesome um, that's how yeah. i like my pilots yeah yeah, he does a lot of protesting apparently, which I didn't know. He's a he does a lot of uh, you know, suspect in the Vietnam days <clears throat> protesting. Like a, an oat milk subsidy would be a subsidy for like the a slice of like the richest people in this country. Yeah, which we should be doing. It isn't. It is. It is. I was. I often say this that it's not fair that healthier food options are often more expensive and yeah. that is a little bit messed up yeah it is so yeah well there you go well i think we've uh trick in the news trick in the news <laughs> trick in the news okay great um <laughs> i think what? it was funny i mean i, I just I, I thought it was when when that uh story broke a couple days ago too it was always like you know, whenever it's an actor and you see and someone like they always want to name like the most recent thing he was in. And James Cromwell was in a couple episodes of the past couple of years of Succession. So they mm -hmm. said Succession star James Cromwell. I was like, you watch your mouth. He was a <laughs> babe. He would play multiple characters in Star Trek, including Zephyr <laughs> Cochran. Then I got very, very angry at this article, which I, I realize is not healthy. Well, when I you think get he's, your... he's also in the HBO Julia show. 
Yes, he, he plays is. her father. Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Would you say that Starbucks is kind of like a luxury good? Yes. Then like, we could, aren't we, we kind could of, live without it? I aren't we kind yeah. of starting like, I wonder, okay, I'll phrase this as a question. I wonder what the impact of people's choice of creamer and coffee is. I wonder what the impact of that is environmentally versus meat purchasing in supermarkets. And I know there's no like easy way to protest the second one, sure. but I would imagine the scale is vastly different. Mm. Was he protesting for like animal rights reasons or environmental reasons or both? You know what, right now, I think those two things are kind of intertwined. Um, yeah. So yeah, animal, but he is uh, an animal rights activist. <clears throat> so how long did it take to unglue his hand? I, you know, I don't know. It's like glue. You just pick up your hand eventually. It just comes off. <laughs> they got the scraper. <laughs> just, just like that's, one big like jerk of the hand and it'll come so, off. So, so like it was, it was like an Elmer's kind of glue? No, it was, they said it was, um, because if it's super it glue, like you super need to glue. Like... Yeah, super mm -hmm. glue. You need so to it like stayed kinda... there. All right. It probably hurt. Pulled up some skin. Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably didn't feel great. <laughs> but what does feel great is this new season of Star Trek yes. Strange New Worlds. <laughs> you don't want to talk about how awkward it was inside of that Starbucks while he was just kind of you know, standing I, around. Yeah, you know, awkwardly I think we can all imagine that moment. With the, yeah. With the, with the minimum with the employees there you know yeah making making people wasn't the only one there it wasn't just like him walking into no, the starbucks no, no, no. one day and go glue in his hand <laughs> but it was I also f murray abraham it was all nice. the other actors from star yes. trek so you, you do this often <laughs> but f murray abraham was constantly convinced that uh uh that uh, uh james cromwell's you know activism was better than his like secretly better than his. <laughs> And then, of course, they brought in the women who pull back your faces, which is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> oh, yes. I want to hear. I want to hear from the guy who showed up late to work, and they were like, "Why did you late? Why did you show up late? Oh, you had to stop and get coffee, right?" He was like, "No, you need to listen to this." <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like Babe, Pig in the City star James Cromwell mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. didn't let me make my order. <laughs> he was in that second one. He must have been. He, he was been in the second there. one, but briefly. Just a quick cameo. Speaking of cameos. Yes. No, there, there, are no, there are no cameos in this. But I would love to tell, talk to you about Star Trek <clears throat> Strange New Worlds and their first new episode, which is called Strange New Worlds. Um, when the episode opens up, it's been three months since the Discovery uh, season two finale. Pike has been living on a secluded ranch in Montana, refusing to answer Starfleet's communications as he allows himself to grow at his hair and beard. Uh, and contemplating what he witnessed about his own tragic future, where he did see uh, a, a, a disfiguring accident, what he uh, experiences while saving the lives of some uh, some crewmen. After Pike's girlfriend leaves to take her own command, Pike is approached by Admiral Robert April to reclaim the helm of the Enterprise after his old number one, Una Chin Riley, goes missing on a first contact mission. Um, we, want, we want to talk about this opening scene. What do we think? about this new series, about this new, what are your, which are some first thoughts on, on what you've seen? I'm going to tip series. my hand here and say that I really enjoyed uh, these episodes a lot, especially the second mm. one. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say that I felt this opening was like 
slightly, you know, kind of, cl- if only because just like, oh, I've seen this before, you know, like yeah. the, um, like the, 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 the grizzled, whatever, basically who has to be get pulled mm-hmm. out of, you know, uh, forever because nobody can do this, but you like, it felt very mm-hmm. like, just like, oh, I've seen this a billion times. Mm-hmm. Um, but things improve much, much more as we get into the episode. Yeah. If, if you haven't, if you're watching this from like uh, not having watched Discovery, they're referencing uh, something that happened in the third season of Discovery where Pike finds out his future. He looks into a magic ball, basically, on a Klingon, Klingon. planet. <laughs> there were time, time crystals there and he touched a time crystal and he found out that um, he found out essentially what was going to happen to him, which was referenced in the Star Trek original series, uh, The Menagerie. Now, I didn't use the word homework, but you could go watch that if you wanted to. I might actually go watch Menagerie because I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like a retelling of the pilot, the original Mm -hmm. pilot. So it it, it explains what happened to Pike afterwards. So it is his really only thing from the original series. So they fleshed out this Pike character. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I liked it. I really enjoy those original episodes a lot too, The Menagerie, which is funny because it's a really, really strong Star Trek episode that's literally about uh, Captain Kirk basically sitting down to watch an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a I, clip show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I it's very much in the right direction. Um, And boy, is it an improvement over some of the recent Star Trek projects we've seen. And my sort of hesitation is that for multiple characters, there's an origin story based on one point of trauma. Mm -hmm. And like that, if, if you're doing that, it needs to be like a very nuanced, complicated, like piece of trauma that's like hard to understand, perhaps. Cause like people find ways to survive. Um, and it's sort of like too convenient if there's just like one thing and then they overcome it in a season. And I have somewhat mixed feelings about how that's done, but oh boy is like the framework good and the focus Mm -hmm. that they're doing is good like we have actual other characters besides like the three main ones like we did on discovery who are getting their own focuses and episodes and their own character development that's not just like put in your face and told to you even though they're showing you opposite things like a lot of good things a lot of good things I think it does fix a lot of things that we were complaining about with the most recent Star Treks and even the Star Treks let the the older ones because the older Star Treks were very episodic, but they never really, they didn't really track. Well, Deep Space Nine is an example. That was an excellent show. But most of them, they just didn't track from episode to episode. So this one has that episodic uh, structure and yet they're still serializing the character arcs so mm-hmm. the characters will still remember what happened to them and it will influence their future actions so I, I definitely appreciate that maybe they listen to our podcast I think that's definitely what happened 
is yeah. that they heard a bunch of episodes of The Prime Subjective and they said, hey, I know we filmed this six yeah. months before we ever heard this yeah. podcast, mm-hmm. but we can mm-hmm. fix it. Yeah. Hey, if they, if they listen to our podcast, they would have a dartboard with our faces printed out on it. <laughs> well, maybe, you, maybe your kid. face, Jay. Maybe my face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have a nice big head, so I'm not I'm an easy target. <laughs> But no, you're right. I, I, trauma does trauma does seem to be a, a recurring theme in a lot of these shows. Well, I guess in a lot of shows that are just out now in general, not just Star Trek. I, I mean, I as a as a creative person myself, or at least I aspire to be. Except I'm too damn lazy. But like, I wonder too. <laughs> like, with the I, I know this sounds like a cop out. I'm not sure how much I believe this, but I wonder with everything going on in the past couple of years, I wonder how hard it is to write fiction that doesn't involve trauma, I think one way or the other, mm-hmm. if only because it's such a common and common reference point for all of us, especially right now, um, yeah. you know, just in general. But I mean, but I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying in that it has to be handled sensitively and with care, you know? I don't have anything against trauma-based, like fiction that starts from trauma, but I have a problem with like very static fiction based on like you want intersectional on, trauma or like well, inter like you know not no not even but just like even if it's based on one point of trauma like if the trauma is still haunting you it grows as your life grows mm-hmm. and whereas like in more stilted writing i'm not saying strange new worlds is this but there'll be like one piece of trauma and then it has stayed the same for the past 15 years or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and that is frustrating to see because yeah. like it should extend to other things in that person's life if it's truly something that's like haunting them and enough to like derail their life in this way and like take on a more like all like grow well i anyway. like how they i like how this episode uh, their past experiences are clearly affecting their uh, present choices i i think they did a good job there well i think since you since you've talked about pike and what pike has gone through i imagine that when you go into space on a mission to to encounter the unknown and see things that have never been seen before there's probably a talk about how you could die a very horrible death yeah (laughs) um like a terrible death due to just like an accident or some phenomenon that we haven't predicted pike learns that in 10 years he is going to well, not even die, right? He he gets like serious radiation injuries that end up confining him to a wheelchair that he will later die from. But he does so saving multiple, like many people who would otherwise mm. die. Also doesn't necessarily, like he has sort of a happy ending if you watch the menagerie, but he doesn't know about his happy ending yet. He doesn't yeah. really know what happens to him after that. So he's thinking that's the end of his life. So he's right. Right. going on. But I guess like, I'm surprised that like knowing your death is knowing what you think is your death is in the service of saving other people isn't like somewhat heartening given all the ways to die horribly in space. I I, I feel like I, I think you're right, but I feel like he has I, I, I think he has learned that lesson, you know, in that but he hasn't successfully internalized it in that sense that part yeah. of what he's wrestling with is his disappointment that that's not enough for him. I really do feel that. I think that's the kind of way he plays it, where he yeah. he realizes that, you know, he should be proud of the fact that, you know, if he has to go out, you know, or, or not not die, but 
if he has to be, you know, uh, incapacitated like that, you mm-hmm. know, that that's a good way to do it. But like, he's still anxious. If he if he gets around to saying that, I'd be a big fan. <laughs> because I mean, that is really compelling, Mike Henley. Like that is very compelling and deep and dark and sort of like takes takes a sort of like happy flyboy who's like eager for danger and like courageous and also like good to his crew and values honesty and puts like a much darker twist to make him interesting mm-hmm. like all these things that he thought would be fulfilling aren't enough when he sees that he achieves them that would be fantastic i hope it happens yeah <laughs> i think i think the the headshot of me on the dartboard in the writing mm-hmm. studio is like getting even bigger like they're printing out <laughs> well of we can we can distract them by t- talking more about the yeah. rest of this story yeah um, Yes. So on Vulcan, Spock meets with uh, T'Pring, a woman he has been courting since his youth for dinner. T'Pring proposes marriage to Spock, who readily accepts, leading to a romantic night between the two that is interrupted by a call from Pike. To T'Pring's visible annoyance, Spock accepts uh, Pike's request for him to reunite with him on the Enterprise and discover what exactly happened to their colleague. Um, Cleaning up, the two officers arrive at the starship as refits and repairs to the Enterprise are completed and the ship is cleared to venture back into space. Can we talk about the T'Pring Spock thing? Oh, yeah. Because this, like, there are multiple parts of this that made no sense to me. So, like, number one, you're marrying a Starfleet officer. Like, what do you expect? Mm -hmm. Um, What do you expect? And number two, there's, there's, like, this boneheaded moment where, like, Spock and T'Pring are about to get busy under the sheets and then Pike rings in and calls up Spock to duty. And after he hangs up, T'Pring like brings up that there's a conflict, like that, you know, duty and and marriage are like are conflicting. And Spock just goes like duty and marriage, they will go together, like just ignoring the fact that there's already been a conflict that somebody else in the room is upset about like so, why so so first of all this was an extremely sexy scene <laughs> the vulcans let's forget about that for a second because vulcans are so like it was so sexual it was like hypersexual yeah, yeah, yeah you know proving what i've known about vulcans this whole time like there is something in there like come on vulcans like when you if you can get a vulcan to fall in love with you that you have one you have won the romance lottery because your life will never be the same i what i what was confusing is i did think that their marriage was um uh uh what's the word um oh, assigned a pre, yeah, a, a yeah. pre uh, uh it's a What's the word when your arranged. parents arranged? arranged. arranged. <laughs> that yeah. word just wouldn't come into my head. I thought their marriage was arranged, but having it not be arranged, okay, well, whatever, that's fine too. Um, and uh, yeah, but I guess it was just, it was interesting, uh, Jay, but I'm, I'm not hating on it because of how sexy it was. <laughs> And I think Carrie's, to Carrie's point, and I think this is true, still waters run deep, you know? Yeah. I, I think the Vulcans really proved that. It's yeah. really nice. Uh... <laughs> I'm like sitting there like, Ooh. you can't even see you. I'm fanning. I'm fanning myself. Yeah, she, I, I can see it. I, I bet you were like, hey, Scott, get your Vulcaneers out. We're going to. She's too sexy. Well, she's wow. too sexy. Query, 
response query and they're like she's like will you marry me he was like ah oh, let's go let's go right away and um the only thing i was missing is that i really love how the vulcans they do like the finger thing like to show affection do you, ever, you remember this on the show they like rub their fingers together like in public they hold their fingers like yeah. they're like this they just do sort of this that like you guys, I'm doing a visual where I'm taking my two piece fingers on each hand and I'm I'm gently stroking them. <laughs> I did really enjoy I did really enjoy that they're shooed out of like a public place for having too much yeah. PDA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. I like it. So like, I like it. These kids getting ugh. Disgusting and, in public. And and of course, if you want to watch the original series, a muck time to bring shows up in there. Not mm-hmm. saying it's homework. I'm just saying that's what you want might want to do. Calling <laughs> them gentle suggestions now. Gentle suggestions. I need a better word than homework because I think the word homework is what is throwing you guys. How about how about extra credit so that they like extra credit? But it's like a plus yeah. if you do it. But also there are other people <laughs> doing it, so you're gonna be left behind. But like it's optional, you know. <laughs> As you can tell, I did a lot of extra credit. <laughs> well, among the new faces that greet Pike and Spock when they get on the Enterprise are First Officer Laan Nunian Singh. Communications Officer Nyota Uhura, and Helmsman Erica Ortega. Pike, still haunted by his prophesied accident that will leave him severely burned and effectively out of service, and Spock notices the change in his longtime friend. Pike reveals what he witnessed from his glimpse of the future, admitting the accident is still nearly a decade away, but unsure how this knowledge will affect his judgment and destiny. Now, as the Enterprise approaches uh, Chin Riley's last known location, they find the entire crew missing and a glaring anomaly with the nearby civilization's technological capabilities. Nunian Singh senses an imminent threat and suggests Pike raise the Enterprise's shields. Shortly after doing so, the ship is attacked by a missile strike from the surface. Spock deduces mm. that the civilization has developed warp capabilities uh, as a weapon instead of a means of transportation. Uh, and then deciding to disguise themselves to investigate the civilization firsthand, Pike and his landing party meet with Dr. Mbega, Mbenga and nurse Christine Chapel to modify their physical appearances accordingly. This whole tracks, mm-hmm. yeah. All of it, all of it yeah, tracks, I mean, I all know, of it yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Helpful. <laughs> no, yeah, well, we, meet, yeah. we meet a bunch of new characters here, and like, mm-hmm. I'm going to say something controversial, which is I think I like all of them um yeah my 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 only is my only wait and see is uh laan yeah because yeah i don't know what they're doing with her and like the yeah. and sing thing is like a huge like yeah that's why the did they make her a relative of Khan? It's that's like interesting bit of referencing that i'm like do you need to do that you know like yeah I, yeah, I, yeah it, it, it makes me uncomfortable I'm I'm afraid yeah. of pandering, but I'm waiting yeah. for to pass judgment. Yeah. Um, yeah. The end. Well, I mean, this is pre. This is pre Wrath of Khan. This is pre Kirk. But, uh, but sh- it's but encountering it's this wars, though. But it's, it's post eugenic. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and it's post the Noonien Singh that we that we saw in Star Trek Picard. Who's and it's not Noonien Soong, which I have to keep reminding myself that it's unrelated to data. And oh right, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Singh, similar now. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, Union that is really is a very common name. I, it's like Joe, Michael, they, Chris. I, yeah. I, 
I, well, you know, the, the 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 real life backstory to that, I think, is since Gene Roddenberry came up with both characters, was basically just like I don't know. I just like the name. I think he was like he was like half named after like somebody he knew. It's like, but they're completely yeah. unrelated. And I love how like the new shows are basically just like, no, maybe they are connected. You know. Hey, I mean, hey, when you come up with a good fake name, you got to get mileage out of it. It's not easy. Oh, absolutely. It's not absolutely. easy. The only thing, the other thing I'll say about La'an Nunyan Singh is that for two two full episodes, I thought she was Cara Jade from The Expanse. She looks yes. so much she like her. her. Yes, she she looks so much I like her. So for like, I for two full for two weeks, I thought it was the same person because they, <laughs> but like their hairstyling and their makeup styling is so similar, and their facial structure is like, wow, and. I'm like, oh, that's the girl from The Expanse. I was so sure of it, but nope, they're different people. So uh, one of her name is, dang, I forgot her name. Her name is Nicole Kidman, and she's really a <laughs> transformational so actress. Range. Wow. It's amazing. She really, this yeah. is what she wanted to do after the Lucy movie. Um, yes. And, uh, no, it's not. It's not. It's not Nicole Kidman. She's Although, using 100% imagine... of her brain. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Wasn't that the premise of that Lucy movie? That like, no. oh yeah, that she's smart, that she's smart, and that the she's, other Lucy she's movie. really the brains. Oh, the other yeah. Lucy movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Chris is talking, oh, talking about, about the Lucy. I'm talking Ricardo about movie. the gay Lucy I'm talking movie. About the Scarlett yeah, yeah. Johansson, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jay's talking about the one with Scarlett Johansson. I, 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 for a second, I was just like, yeah, they showed that Lucy backstage was using 100% of her brain as she was planning scenes, and you know, she wasn't a natural comedian. <laughs> it's very funny. That's very funny. Could just be part of my non sequitur game. <laughs> I, li- I like your, I like that game. It's very Christina Chong. Christina Chong. Christina Chong. Okay, yeah. Christina no, Chong. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm reserving judgment on her. Everyone else, I just kind of like out of the gate. Um, especially, yeah. I really like Ortega, and I really like, I really like Uhura, and I really like Christine Chapel. I realize these are old characters. Oh my gosh. Christine uh, Chappell's character is so awesome. How they, they're yeah. giving her more. Like, she didn't have enough to do. In the, she was like, in the like, original series. Wasn't she kind of like eye candy in the original series a little bit? Yeah, a like, little bit. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, she did. The original series. She yeah. did also a flirt with Spock a lot. So I like that they really um, vamped that up a little bit because that is fun. That is yeah. fun. Because I would. Because I, I would. I would I like think, to. I, I'm getting that you're horny for Vulcans and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would it. like to talk more about La'an Nunian Singh, but we should do that after okay. we hear more about yeah. her and her conflict that's set up. I yeah, love that. yeah. One thing that, you know, and I appreciate this, like they don't, they mention the name, but they don't, unless I miss something, they don't bring it up at all. No. Um, you know, mm. and I thought that was interesting, you know, especially because it was kind of like a, you know, like a, it was a weird kind of, uh, you, you mentioned pandering, and that almost felt like an anti-pandering moment in the sense, like, What's it's there, us, but also we do don't do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, which is good. They're, yeah. they're taking it nice and slow. Right, exactly. I, yeah. I also definitely Sensual. love the concept of warp bomb instead of the warp uh, drive. I thought that's so interesting. Like, oh, they've, this has never happened before, but it's theoretically possible, but no one has done it. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Super cool. I agree. I agree. I'm going to I'm going to finish out this episode that way we can um finish up our final thoughts on this and then move to the next one as well as you know this this little uh, hour we have is is barreling along. It's okay. I froze mm-hmm. time for us. Oh, thank you, Jay. Yeah. That's so sweet of you. After incapacitating two local 
security officers. The landing party infiltrates the detention facility and frees Chin Riley and her crew from imprisonment just as Spock's disguise wears off due to his unique physiology. No, Carrie, that's not a reference to below his waist. Chin <gasps> Riley reveals the civilization witnessed the discovery being transported to the 32nd century, resulting in them being able to reverse engineer warp capabilities. Realizing this means Starfleet and the Enterprise are responsible for this technological shift, Pike and Spock remain behind to meet with the planet's leadership personally. Uh, and then with diplomatic means failing, Pike orders the Enterprise to fully reveal itself, prompting the civilization in dropping their hardline stance um, and getting a peaceful resolution underway. Noonie and Singh reveals elements of her tra traumatic backstory to a sympathetic Pike and Spock. Encouraged, Pike personally takes point on the peace talks to recount Earth's cataclysmically violent history in a successful effort for this new world to learn from their mistakes and join the Federation. Uh, Chin Riley rejoins the Enterprise as Pike's number one, with Nuni and Singh heading security at Pike's request. The crew is completed by the arrival of science officer Samuel Kirk, uh, with Pike <laughs> com commanding the starship into deep space as it boldly goes where no one has gone before. This is, a, by the way, a, a, um, a recap by Sam Stone from uh, CBR.com. So if you liked it, uh, uh, good. If you didn't like it, uh, send your complaints to him. Uh, <laughs> I intend to. <laughs> So Jay, uh, no. you wanted to talk about her, what we learned about Nunian Singh, right? Was that yes? Um... So, so we learn that she has gone through a horribly traumatic event. Where I guess I won't like say much other than, in case people haven't watched it, other than she was on a colony ship, and they were captured. Well, I guess I'm just saying. You could say it. Yeah. You could say um, it. Just her, say it. The the Gorn, who are a species from the original series, really, um, either eat alive or like dismember and kill every single person on her colony ship except yeah. for her and then just kind of send her back out in some sort of ritual like mm -hmm. forgiveness or like ritual yeah. like pity um and then and it also seems to be that the gorn just didn't come in and eat all her family all at once they did it systematically over a period of time well, as they were trapped there breakfast, so they, lunch, it was and dinner you know actually yeah. like uh, draw a drawn out kind of horrific situation yeah, so yeah. pretty awful pretty awful situation very yeah like really traumatic what i don't like that they did with it is they sort of twisted her not telling pike about it from the outset and telling pike that the officer who rescued her was una the chief the the um first the first officer who they're rescuing they twisted that as sort of her not trusting pike and there's a whole scene where Pike's like, you chose, like, you didn't, um, you were afraid I wouldn't trust you, so you chose not to trust me. Um, but that didn't really make sense to me. Like, it's not an issue of trust. She just doesn't have to Yeah, I don't think him. that's what she did, though. I think that was just sort of, like, something that someone said to her, like, as a, like a revelation. Like, did you, you could have trusted me with this. I don't think she was mm -hmm. actively like, I don't trust this person. I think she was afraid to tell him. Um, and so Pike pointed out to her. It was just something that was pointed out. Like, you know, you didn't trust me to, so... But I don't think that's where trust is. Like, trust isn't in, like, you don't have to, like, you're not obligated to tell someone that. Like, that's not where the, like, I, I take issue with framing this as an issue of trust. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. That's what I take issue with. 
it, it's it feels like it's framed as though she did something like kind of wrong not like horribly wrong like but as though she should have told him from the outset and i don't mm -hmm. think that's true like i don't think she has to go and say like hey my whole family was like mm -hmm. horribly like put in in was horribly like eat like eaten slash yeah. killed along with a lot of people who i knew on this ship and i was the only survivor like i don't think you have to tell your captain that from the beginning <laughs> At least not on the first day. But it yeah. may be that they're yeah, at least not up. on the first day. <laughs> and it may be that they're trying to set up for future tensions yeah. between the two of them. I think they're laying, you know, laying yeah. the groundwork for future trust stuff. But they could have done that better. Like, okay, the the other aspect to it is that the first officer who rescued them, the the person who rescued her, is the first officer they're rescuing, right? And so, in some scenario, there could have been like a a like a uh what's the word why do supreme court justices recuse themselves again from court cases conflict of interest yeah there could have yeah. been some conflict of interest where maybe like she would have been biased in favor of doing a risky operation that would have saved the first officer's life but was had like severe side effects or severe mm -hmm. consequences but that wasn't set up at all so there wasn't any like conflict of interest at all Agreed. You get in this first episode, you definitely get the strains of uh, even with characters that are have already been pre-introduced, you know, like you get the strains of writers basically trying to tackle a lot, you know, in the space of like 45 to 50 minutes, introducing all these characters, planting them in a story, you know, doing this, doing that, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like what you're describing here is some of the parts where like it's straining the most. This is a minor gripe. This, this show still has like a lot of potential and it still does a lot of things right. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that sort of tickled me is this is the second star trek show to kind of directly reference events that are happening right now mm -hmm. picard goes down to 21st century los angeles in the year 2021 mm -hmm. um and 24. sorry 2024 not that far mm -hmm. off from now and has like direct depictions of mm -hmm. ice and now this show talks about like it shows like people protesting against against so-called mm -hmm. election fraud and has like a world war, has a, a second civil war in our near future. Yeah, um, right. And no, I think I, that I think they're referencing what is happening now is going to be called war. as the second civil war. Yeah. I think that's what they were saying. I can but, I yeah. can see that, but I've yeah. sort of had a certain amount of unease with this for a long time, um, both when it happened in Picard and now. And I think seeing it here helped me put words to it which is like perhaps in the 1980s when there wasn't the internet mm -hmm. you could talk about current events and like environmentalism and it and like you could sort of have a feel good story about it that didn't go too deep and it would it would fly but there's just like too much information and too much doom for like a kind of slight reference but like don't worry things get better and we turn it around to feel right. like meaningful or fulfilling in any way especially when there is such an oppressive cl climate of doom if you like read the news well and i think in that way it's not even the ep it, maybe yeah. the writers or the episode's fault it's just the the universe we currently live in yeah. makes it hard to yeah. do i i, I don't think them. that's not a new thing for star trek like that is go actually going back to the original uh <laughs> I mean, concept the of the show there's a whole like save the oh. whales movie in the next in the in the original <laughs> series like and that and that was a great movie it was fun it like flew you know and i don't I, I don't it just like hasn't it feels like that that's a practice that hasn't evolved 
well. You think it's too much of a well. direct, too much of a direct parallel, not enough of a metaphor? It just rings hollow. Like when you stack it up against what we're seeing, I don't know. Mm. Like, but, and then meanwhile, over like on Fox News, they're mad. Touch. <laughs> it, uh, meanwhile, over on Fox News, they're mad that they're doing it because they call it woke Star Trek. They're, they're, go they're yeah. deeper, like go go yeah, deeper, right. man. Like I don't know, yeah. it doesn't like we can go deeper than what was shown to be like. Just wanted I don't know, to go some, deeper. There are some wrenches. Like you didn't go far enough. I don't Honestly. know. Maybe, maybe they didn't go far enough, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the how the the whatever leader he was talking to, who, whoever has the biggest stick, and then he realizes that he has the biggest stick and he has the upper hand in here, so he can actually show them their mm-hmm. future like he saw his future, so that we saw some uh, uh, parallels there. And, and it goes one step further, Carrie, because it's also us seeing our supposed near future. And so we're also supposed to feel comforted. And I did not feel comforted. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, I think that um, it, it's a tricky needle to thread, right? Because if you ignore what's happening right now when you're writing your future fiction, you know, especially for something that's supposed to be as, you know, um, that's supposed to be as, uh, as, as, you know, something to attain as Star Trek, you know, basically mm-hmm. that's how it presents itself. If you ignore it then it's basically just like well how do we get from here to there you're not telling us you know like and if you but if you deal with it head on there's always the danger of just being like well this doesn't comfort me because it's basically just saying like we go mm-hmm. through hell and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and i probably die but then ultimately it gets better mm-hmm. um yeah. it's I'm not tricky calling... i don't know what the direct answer is yeah i'm not calling this like a negative like an objective negative i think there are sort of times when i posit like an intellectual like ah this is something a show should not do and i don't know if it shouldn't like this is an emotional response where i was like i know this was meant to be comforting and i did not feel comforted um, well jay i think that both carrie and michael agree with me that your emotions are wrong and you should learn to ignore them uh, <laughs> no. i'll just be the vulcan i was always meant it's, to be. A, it's just that i guess the part that i'm confused about is like i'm not exactly sure that it was meant to be comforting that's all i right. i'm just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. seeing it as okay i, I agree that it's kind of uh obvious and not very subtle but you know i'm tired of subtle let's get <laughs> let's just say let's what get, it is well it direct, ends on a hopeful yeah. note right like it ends on a hopeful <laughs> yeah. note. earth solves its problems after um after <laughs> there's nuclear war yeah um and these people will also solve their problems but in terms and... of star trek okay but in terms of star trek they also did move the eugenics war and i just need to i just need to point that out Eugenics that war has been they, delayed, guys. Yeah, yeah. From they the 90s to... originally had it in the 90s. They moved it until after whatever this uh, World War Three. So uh, World War Three, the Eugenics War, uh, they moved it. So we still have some time. And I think I... that also is in in the timeline of uh, Picard when when uh, soon looks at the thing con project. <laughs> Yeah. So they didn't get to it yet. They didn't get I, to it yet. And I appreciate so much that they're doing that too, especially because like Star Trek fans, I know they get very, very particular about the history and part of like the lore is like the fact that it has all the, all the lore, you know, like it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. It all adds up together. This is the timeline and all that kind of stuff. And that's mm-hmm. cool. But like, if it's not working for you anymore, basically you can adjust it. You really can, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and people like, get angry i gotta stop spending time on the internet guys like everyone's angry mm-hmm. and everyone's opinions are terrible mm-hmm. um 
uh it's just a lot of like people just being angry at just like like retconning this basically in the original series the, the eugenics was happening in the 1990s so you gotta stick to that it's like no you don't like you can it's also no, are these the same people who want us to just read the constitution as is and right. you know this is not what the founders intended right. when well, they yeah. wrote star trek well they, they they're the same people watching this show and just being like yeah. why doesn't it look like it looked in the 60s it's like yeah that would be crazy it's a yeah. fictional show change it to make it entertaining and, yes. and to reflect the time, yeah, absolutely. Yes. The, time. absolutely. Yes. absolutely. the other thing that Star Trek always does, Jay, and maybe this is something that is making you uncomfortable. Now that I mention it, it will make you uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> that the Federation is always pushing its ideals onto other planet societies. Mm -hmm. I don't. So, I know you. Maybe that doesn't bother you. I'm not. Doesn't bother me. I'm just pointing it out there. It's like. Here's another society. Let's tell them exactly how they should be doing to achieve, uh, you know, world peace and utopia, et cetera. Et cetera. They're colonists of ideas. Yeah. I mean, they are. Like, they absolutely yeah. are. I mean, they like, really are. Yeah. I don't know. There, there are other like time travel things where they go back to Earth and there's like some issue that they're dealing with, where that don't that don't hit me the same way. Like, Deep Space Nine's um, Past Perfect, or I think it's called Past Tense, or whichever one, where mm -hmm. Cisco goes back and is and uh, has to like stand in for a guy whose like murder ends up ushering in like mm -hmm. the end of these basically like camps where they send people who who to like get supposedly like get the, the sanctuaries, right? Which are mm -hmm. basically just camps for like homeless people and a whole bunch of like people who quote unquote like don't fit into normal society, but it really just ends up being like a massive prison. Um, and that's like a salient issue that wasn't like real, but feels real in a lot of ways. And they go in depth about like how it changes. And there's, it's like dark, like there's like a hostage crisis where they like take innocent people hostage to force a TV network to air like the testimonials of people who are sent to these sanctuary camps, you know? And they like did the work. Um, and, and as we like, as I sit here, like, knowing there's an like a climate crisis that's awful and possible like nuclear war i don't i just didn't feel like it was a worthwhile thing to say okay and just kind of brush over gotcha the issues that we're facing how are we going to fix it how are we going to fix this whole everything is messed up in this world well, you think one Star Trek show is going to fix it? No, I don't. But, like, I'd appreciate if they at least, like, pretended the issues were real rather than just something that will, like, surf past. I, 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 yeah. I get, I get This is, I like, a it, personal also, thing. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's not, yeah. like, a real criticism. It's just a feeling. Okay. Well, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we acknowledge and honor that feeling and then also acknowledge the time and that we need to move oh, on to the yeah. next episode if yeah. we're going to. Can I, can I just say yeah. real, real quick, I really liked how they tied in the day the Earth stood still into this story. Mm. Um, that was a yeah. really cool reference like that mm. where uh well they're watching it on tv in the beginning and then yeah the, the, the plot definitely echoes it because that's it know, yeah um day and, there and, and, still and 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 he references it again basically as like and when he's making his kind of baller move of you know kind of showing up and basically just saying hey i'm going to tell you a direct message you know i'm going to be <laughs> didactic about this because that's basically what the yeah. Earth, day of the earth stood still about it you know is about it's about yeah. aliens coming down basically hey you're all assholes you're going to destroy your planet in fact we thought about doing it and then uh but uh you know what i got to i got to know you and uh you're you're okay so don't mm -hmm. be such fuck-ups 
That's the five <laughs> second version of Day of the Earth Stood Still. Please watch it. It's a brilliant film. Yeah. In a twist, it's Mike Henley giving the homework. <laughs> directed by directed go. by Robert Wise, who directed Star Trek the Motion Picture. So yeah. Oh wow. Do you do we have do we have time to do the second episode? Do you want to? I think maybe we should pause. I think we should maybe um postpone a second episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't know we have enough time to honor it. So I'm cool with that. I'm yeah. cool with that. We can okay. do an episode at a time. I'll talk less. I promise. No, you're good. <laughs> Good, good discussion. But, um, I mean, good, I, absolutely I good discussions. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, um, yeah, but I agree. Yeah. Very good. Well, any any other final thoughts or recommendations for this week? Uh, um, my final thought is I used to say I wish aliens would just come down already so that we could all just get together. I don't know, have it change everything. And that episode was like, that's what I was envisioning would happen when aliens came down that we would all have to get together and work out our shit because the aliens were here. <laughs> <laughs> I also really enjoyed the part where he was pointing out those um, domes, those forest domes in space that were able oh, to grow. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And there's a map, if you pause it, there's a really cool map uh, that uh, Spock is pointing out of the sector and all of the, the planets that have been uh, entered into the um, uh, Federation. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I just I like all the colors lot. they're using. They're using a lot of bright colors and a lot yes. of like sort of flashy. They're, they're giving it a real. Um, they're really giving it its, its own aesthetic, which I'm, I'm enjoying very much. It, it's yeah. They, they really are, and like that, and spirit of adventure and discovery and all that kind of stuff, and like uh, uh, not discover Star Trek discovery, but like discovery, discovery, um, and like real like you know exploration and so like like every the, the 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 show by the way has a you know i'm i'm a sucker for like awesome title sequences and i thought the, the i think the title sequence is like yeah really awesome and really uses really cool. very well but it's also like every frame looks like a 70s like sci-fi book cover where it's basically mm -hmm. like what the hell is that and i love that i love <laughs> i love because like is that logan's run yeah <laughs> 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 um, is that Michael York? Um, what is that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, but like, but you know, like, like, like the weird, like you know, biomes in space and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I, I love yeah. them visiting that space station and the thing where I had, which has like those those domed forests and stuff. Like, like, like real, like out there, like odd, just odd, like sci-fi stuff in a way that just feels really imaginative. And that's something that, as much as I love it, basically, I feel like Star Trek has kind of kind of moved away from that i think a little bit mm -hmm. like not not the imagination so much as like the off the wall like wild like wild and crazy imagination um like and the I, imagery and, and things like that imagery, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. return to that like a yeah. little sense of like we have no idea what's what we're gonna bump into yeah week. also the uh the twist of having uh, uh samuel kirk there and not james t kirk yeah i was wondering and also about the that. mustache the mustache not a oh, lot of mustaches on Star Trek. I'm into Not the a mustache, lot of mustaches. Yeah. yeah. You're into Vulcans, I'm into that mustache. I really I really enjoy that. <laughs> I guess I guess for my my closing thoughts, um, the show has a lot of potential. It does a lot of things right and it's framed in a way for it to succeed at doing a lot of the things that I think attracted us to the series in this first place. Um the one sort of personal thing that I'm looking out for is whether is how they do their Vulcans. Um, as time has like there's Spock the original Vulcan and one thing I love about Spock is that he uses his immense intelligence to try and figure out what he doesn't know a lot of the time 
rather than just sort of arrogantly stating things that he does know, which is something we get more and more of as start more and more Star Treks were released. Um, and I've seen some really good things in Spock and seen some things I was less a fan of, but I still think there's a lot of potential there to sort of have like the smart race use their intelligence to try and figure out what they don't know rather than just be arrogant, stuck up bastards. <laughs> well, very good. Well, that brings us to a close on uh, this week's uh, Prime Subjective. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, I didn't think of a song for us to sing at the end, so um, just uh, we'll, 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 we'll just do a quick um, improv song. Here we go. This song, this song is about Star Trek. Star Trek Star is cool. Trek. We like Star Trek here on the Prime Subjective.